Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 237 of Sexology Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well and you're enjoying the opportunity to go out again. I know some places in the world still are in lockdown, but most of the places are slowly opening up. And been having lots of conversations with my clients and friends and how uncomfortable and awkward they feel to go on dates post-pandemic. That's why I created this series on helping you to become a better dater. My goal for you is to find your groove back post-pandemic. Additionally, I created a checklist of coping strategies that you can practice in order to manage your anxiety around dating. It's really tough to show up as yourself if you're feeling anxious. I had clients in the past that they were getting sick during dates. I had clients that they were being perceived as stubborn or stuck up because they were socially anxious and they couldn't talk on dates. So it's important to make sure that you are showing up as best version of yourself or at least good enough. That's why I hope that this series will help you to learn some strategies that will help you to find a connection that you're looking for. Today, we're going to focus on helping you restart dating after going through a breakup. Because one of the barriers that many people are facing right now is that it's hard for them to, at least my friends are facing, is that it's hard for them to get back out there when they still haven't got closure from the previous relationship. And sometimes it's a relationship that they just got out of it. Or sometimes I have friends and clients that they broke up years ago, but the pain feels very raw. So I invited another psychologist, Dr. Marissa Tunis, to join me on this conversation. And we're going to talk about how long you should wait after a breakup to start dating again. She's going to share with us some of the tips on helping people to restart dating after a bad breakup. And we're going to talk about how can we help you to get closure from an ex he won't talk to you. And also we're going to talk about why sometimes we're repeating some negative patterns, why at times we are having the same relationship with different peoples over and over again, and what, what can we do to change that. As I mentioned, my guest is Dr. Marissa Tunis. Dr. Marissa is a licensed clinical psychologist, dating coach, and founder of Datefully, dating coaching based in psychology. She is based in Los Angeles and sees clients across the country who are struggling with heartbreaks, dating anxiety, and relationship issues. She hosts a weekly live stream digital talk show on the Meet Me app, live with Dr. Marisa, which addresses the topics of love, dating, and mental health. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Marissa. 
Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Dr. Marissa Tunis in our show. Dr. Marissa, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. Um, I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. I am so excited about this conversation. As a little bit of background to our listeners is that we've been collaborating for a while. We started co-moderating room in Clubhouse like several months ago. And it's interesting how much you learn about uh, another psychologist when you are answering a random questions of a random strangers <laughs> on the hot seat. <laughs> that we had so many different interesting moments. Yes, we did. And I love how we met. Our show was, or our room was called Love Doctors because we are two doctors and we specialize in love, but you in sex and me in dating. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. And you have your dating coach, which is fantastic. Because I feel as a psychologist, we have skills that's completely applicable, and especially yours, that's kind of very focused on helping individuals who are struggling with finding the dates or going on a dates and showing up in a way that they, they want to show up. So tell us a little bit about your services. Of course. Well, I'll back up a little bit and tell you how I got into dating coaching as a psychologist. I was trying to find a specialty in private practice because I was going from a full-time job to full-time private practice. And I was talking to colleagues and one of my colleagues said, what do you love to talk about? And instantly I said, dating. And I didn't think it was a legitimate specialty for a psychologist, but as I started to think about it, I said, why wouldn't it be? And I started to apply cognitive behavioral principles from my work as a therapist to dating. So I found that people who were frustrated in their dating lives were thinking about their dating in ways that were not helpful. They were bringing in their fears and their anxieties, and that was clouding their picture of who they could meet and what they could expect. And our expectations affect our outcomes. So I work with individuals individually. I also work with couples, but the dating coaching is with individuals. They're feeling stuck in their dating lives, usually in their late 20s, 30s, sometimes early 40s. I see both men and women. And usually people have been dating for years and they don't understand why they're coming up with the same results or no results at all. So that's where I come in to help. I love that, that you created this niche that was very close to what you liked. And I absolutely agree with you that sometimes people think it's, it's an innate skill to be good on dates, but that's absolutely something that you can cultivate. And speaking of the population you talked about, like mid-30s, early 40s, one of the challenges that I see a lot is people, like if you lived a few decades, you have a history. And sometimes it's just really tough to start dating after a breakup. So I guess the first step that comes to my mind is like right after breakup, it's a time that many people struggle and they get stuck in this place of, I need a closure. And they get, mm-hmm. they keep repeating the same behaviors, getting obsessed about same thing, ruminating, which is not serving them. So let us start with talking about how can we get closure from an ex 
when they're not talking to us, when they're not responding, how can we do to take care of our own emotion then? Of course, I think this is so important. And if someone's not responding to you or talking to you, you have to say to yourself that you're better than this. You have worth as a person. And if someone's not answering you, you have to reflect on how worthy you are and what you deserve. And you don't deserve that. So it's going to be important for you to pivot and walk towards something that reflects worthiness, um, whether that be friends, family, a hobby, or just self-love. There might be a void and a breakup. You need to fill that void with good feelings and good thoughts. And it's not always intuitive to do because we have these negative narratives sometimes around a breakup that, you know, maybe this was my soulmate. I'll never find someone like this again, or there's something wrong with me, or I'm not lovable. So it's going to be really important to be mindful of what your narrative is and how you need to change it to feel good about yourself as a newly single person. And another aspect is to love and fully own your single life, which is there's not really a roadmap for that, but it's so important to be a healthy dater is to like being single. I love that. And I, I I heard you before talking about feeling that void and kind of like thinking more about what kind of emotion I want to feel now. Because at times mm-hmm. it's my experience, even if you corner the X, I, I hear from clients all the time to get the answer, maybe the answer that they will give you or they're giving to you, it's not fulfilling. So always like pressuring, pressing to get that response is not guaranteeing you getting a closure. I think it's important, as you mentioned, to kind of pause and see how can I move forward? How can I fill this void with connecting and connection with other people? So I love that you highlighted that. Kind of as far as the timing, sometimes I hear that people kind of think about like they, for years and years, they feel they're not ready to date. They feel like like they, they, they are hurt and it gives them pause. And there are some people that like immediately after breakup, up, they start dating because that's a that's a way that they seek healing. So tell us mm-hmm. how long do you think should we wait after breakup to start to date again? That's a really good question. I hear that as well. I think it is unique to the person, of course. But be mindful that, you know, if you rush into dating, you might need some healing before you're really ready for a healthy partner again. So the dating might just be entertainment or filling a void. And when you're dating like that, you're probably not going to meet the healthiest date or partner. So if you really want to meet someone who's healthy and ready for a relationship, if you want a relationship, it's probably wise to take a pause, do some introspection, maybe reach out to a therapist, uh, do some self-healing to better prepare you to meet a healthier partner. However, on the other hand, if you are waiting years um, and you think you are still not ready to date, I would look at what you're afraid of. There has to be some fear underneath it. If it's been years and you're not ready to move on, like what's holding you back? Is it a fear that you would break up again or a fear you might not find someone? But usually there's a fear that holds us back. 
Yes. And, you know, one of the clients that I work with many years ago, she, she, she had this breakup that came out of blue. She had no idea they were on the kind of, they were engaged or planning to get married. And one day the partner said, you, you were not a fit and I don't want to get married to you. And then mm. they broke up. And it, for her, it was just so hard, even couple years to start a serious relationship at the moment the relationship was getting serious she was getting getting to this like anxiety intense anxiety and it was hard for her to commit again so I agree with you sometimes kind of pausing and reflecting and seeing what's happening here is is really important because some of the breakups can be very traumatic We might discover things about our partners that are shocking. They might turn out to be a person that's very different. So what are some of the tips that you have for our listeners who would like to start dating again, but they had a really bad, nasty breakup? Yes, you bring up a good point. Trauma, whether the ending was traumatic, it sounds like for your former patient that it came out of the blue. She wasn't expecting it. And she probably in her mind was already married to this person, perhaps. And this probably felt very scary. So it's hard after a trauma to restart your life. Sometimes you do need, if you feel stuck for years, therapists might be a good step um, to get you unstuck. And sometimes you just have to take a personal inventory and see, why am I stuck? Why can't I move on? And it seems like it might be a fear that it would happen again or that like she's not worthy enough or lovable enough to keep someone. We have to really understand what our fears that are unconscious that are driving us or keeping us stuck. And also people who've been in abusive relationships as well. I'll add that in, especially if there's been like narcissistic abuse, that can take quite a while, especially if there's been gaslighting it could take quite a while to feel ready to date and it could be very painful. And often I see people, particularly women who have gone through narcissistic abuse and let's say the relationship was six months and two years, they're still struggling. And that's completely understandable. Gaslighting kind of destroys your reality and it takes some time to build that back up, especially in a intimate relationship. So anyone who's listening, who has had a partner who, and they went through what they feel is narcissistic abuse. I want you to know that sometimes it could take a really long time to recover from that. And recovery is still absolutely possible. And, you know, dating someone healthier and enjoying love is absolutely possible, even if you went through something traumatic or abusive in your past. Absolutely. And you know, sometimes at this, it's my experience with some of my patients is that when they are in this relationship with a person who's a narcissistic feature, it can be a repeat of their childhood. So this mm-hmm. is what they experience with their family, with their parents, primary caregiver. So it feels so familiar. 
So yes. it can almost reaffirm their kind of previous beliefs. And also it can feel comfortable and like yeah. it feel, can feel like, like home. So I mm-hmm. think that can be problematic as well. So for our listeners that they don't know about gaslighting, tell us more about what do you mean when you say gaslighting? Oh, of course. So <laughs> a lot. And I feel like the term gaslighting or gaslit has been used more and more in pop culture. Um, however, I'm not sure that everyone really understands what it is. So um, it came from a movie, I think 20s, 30s or 40s, a really old movie, the term gaslight. And I don't want to get this incorrect. It was something about the man turning a light off and lying about it. <laughs> but again, I, I don't need to be right on where the term came from. But <laughs> <laughs> even though I do like to be right about things, I would have to Google that. But what it is, is pretty much someone trying to trick you into believing something false in order to either be manipulative or to control. So someone who's gaslighting you is lying often very subtly to get you to believe something that's not true. Usually that's self-serving in the gaslighter's favor. So they could do it as a way to mind control you to think that to make you feel like you're starting to like come undone or that you're feeling crazy or that you need the person. So if you start feeling uncertain and quote unquote crazy, you might feel like, oh, I need this person because I'm not in control of my reality, but they are. And it could take years to recover from this. And it's not necessarily always conscious on the part of the gaslighter either. It could just be a way that they know how to relate from their childhood or because they had a parent who was a gaslighter, but it's a form of manipulation and it can really, really hinder someone's view of themselves as whole and of reality is accurate. I'm so glad that you brought up the gaslighting because I think, as you said, that's one of the most destructive things that can happen to at least to my female clients. Of course, abuse and all of those things are horrible too, but this feels like very subtle at times but it can be very damaging. I think anything that is my experience for my clients that they feel the experience of what was happening was invalidating to their intuition. Uh, I think that can be very confusing. For example, the same client I was talking about that like the, the breakup came out of blue. What was very scary for her was that, how can I trust myself? And she was brilliant and intelligent and successful. Trust myself that I, as you said, she was ready to getting married. They were looking at the houses. She said, I, I missed a sign that the yeah. guy was so apart from this and I missed it. How can I trust myself? And that can be really painful. Yes. Yes, exactly. It could be painful and take such a long time to start trusting yourself. And what I do with my clients is to get them to start appreciating and listening to their gut and how important gut feelings and intuition are and that they have this powerful tool within them. So facts can be, you know, people can lie to you in the future. However, you don't need, you're not necessarily going to be tricked, if that makes sense. 
It does. And, you know, it's really hard to train someone to pay attention to their intuition or that gut feeling because we don't have like in a cognitive behavioral therapy kind of language evidence to support that. <laughs> so how can we lean into that gut feeling? Because I think that can give us lots of good information and roots from generation and generation of living through lives. Yes, absolutely. I would think back on times when you did have a gut feeling or you did rely on your intuition and think about what that felt like. So it helps when we want to grow something to understand what it, how it, it has showed up in the past and what it feels like. So if you have even some small experience of trusting your gut or hearing or listening to your gut, draw on that. You can also set an intention for wanting to listen to your gut more. Intentions help because they plant a message into our subconscious of where we want to lead ourselves. So if you do want to rely on your gut more, say that. I want to rely more on myself, my intuition, my instincts, and it usually shows up in different parts of your body. A lot of people, it shows up in their gut, in their stomach. You have to listen to your body. And your gut is also when you have anxious feelings. Why am I, why am I feeling anxious right now? What's going on around me? Um, why am I clamming up? Or why am I feeling rigid when this person is talking or when this person's coming close to me? Really understanding our emotions and our body reactions and feeling in our body is so important to being led by yourself, being self-led. I love that. And one way that I trained myself to trust my intuition more is like in a way of thinking about what are some of the areas of life, as you mentioned, that my intuition serves me? I know perhaps in kind of like in, in certain relationships, when I have this emotion, this gut feeling, it's almost always accurate. But there mm -hmm. are aspects of my life that it's layered with limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I need to do some work on that areas to before completely leaning to that gut feeling. The gut feeling is there, but it's clouded with other stuff. So I oh, think yeah. it can start with kind of exploration <laughs> of what areas that you can, you're right now are ready to fully lean into your gut feeling and what are some of the areas that need some exploration. Absolutely. And I think therapy is extremely helpful. I, I think that people avoid therapy for one stigma to availability and finances. However, there are so many low cost options. And if you really want it, you can certainly find it. However, there are also some self-help ways to to heal one being meditation and a meditation practice combined with journaling and introspection i think if you take those two together they can take you pretty far clearing your thoughts for 15 20 minutes a day and also getting your thoughts out on paper twice a day if you really want to understand what it is you are thinking and how your thoughts are holding you back you have to know what they are 
So uh, we have to be in touch with ourselves, whether a therapist helps us with that, or we can do that on our own. It's vital in order to live the life we want. I agree with you that we have to have awareness about what's what are we thinking? What's showing up? What is showing up for us before being able to change it? And I would say that at times, and I'm sure you've seen this before, that there are times that people keep repeating the same patterns like it's almost mm-hmm. they're dating the same person with a different layout is this a template of their friend or boyfriend and then it's the same and sometimes this this template is not working for them and going back to the journaling if we want to reflect on that how can we change it what are some of the why are we going back to this bad bad templates that are are not serving us yes i mean this this question has so many components to it. And I do it too. I mean, as humans, we, we replay things that aren't necessarily in our best interest, because it is, it feels safe to us, it feels normal to us, it's what we're attracted to. Um, It's what we're primed to repeat, um, either from our childhood or early experiences, we either think we deserve this, or um, we're attracted to it in some way. However, after a while, when you have experienced the same but painful thing over and over again, you start to feel like you want something different. And then that's the place where people often feel stuck or frustrated when they know they want a different outcome, but they, they, they can't stop replaying it. And it could be so many things. Um, it could be a trauma that's holding you back. And if such, you know, trauma treatment could could be extremely helpful. It could be having the awareness of what it actually is that's holding you back and making conscious decisions and taking small risks to go in a different direction. In terms of dating, I hear over and over again, I'm just not attracted to healthy people. However, you can change your attraction, especially if you see what you are attracted to, you pair that with the outcome and the feeling of this is this ends in pain. So the more that you can pair that attraction with pain and be adverse to it and start to realize that you deserve happiness and joy in a partnership, and the more that you start to believe that in yourself, you start believing that you deserve, you know, someone healthier. And sometimes it takes seeing friends who are in healthy relationships or other family members to use that as a model. You know, this person is healthy. This is what a healthy partner looks like. I need to look for integrity. I need to look for someone who is honest, someone who has similar interests in mind, someone who is kind to people around them. And when you start looking for qualities that are important versus like fun and finances and like, you know, a fast, exciting lifestyle, you start meeting people who can be good partners and the outcomes better when you start dating healthy people. 
You know, one thing that you talked about that really resonated with me, this kind of like pairing of this attraction to the outcome, even in animal studies, like if you serve a yes. delicious meal to an animal and then you shock them after <laughs> five <laughs> rounds of that, they no longer <laughs> want that food. I wonder that why we're going back to that food like 10 times or 12 times. So I think it's really helpful to make that intention and connection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see it all over psychology, like the ant abuse when they give that medicine to make uh, to make people vomit after they drink alcohol. I don't think it's used anymore. It's just Actually, they technique. use it at, a, uh, at substance use facility. They used to work in patients. Sometimes they use it, but I Are wish- they still using it? <laughs> yeah, I wish there was a solution for some people like that they keep going. I, I, can, I can think about several of my clients that would willingly take that liquid it it would be going back to the x that's toxic so that would be a reminder of them i know we're toward the end of our time i bet our listeners would love to know more about your services i know you have your own show so if they are curious to learn more about you what are some of the places they can go to of course my business is called date Fully, and I have a website, datefully.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Dr. Datefully, and that's D-R-D-A-T-E-F-U-L-L-Y. I have a live stream digital talk show on the Meet Me app, which is a live streaming platform. And it's on Mondays, 4 p.m. Eastern time. And we talk about dating, love, and mental health. It's called Live with Dr. Marissa. Awesome. Guys, and that's I- how you find me. Yes, yes. I leave a link to the information so people can find you. And I've been looking at the guests that you've been having. The lineups are very impressive. Every every week I say, oh, I want to be, I want to listen to that. I need to be part of this. <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm married. So I can only imagine that people <laughs> are listening and they're single. I think that would be very, very beneficial for them. Dr. Marisa, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was lovely to have you on and hopefully we will have you back in future. I would love that. Thank you, Dr. Nas. And it was a pleasure to be here today. I hope you guys found our conversation useful. It's my experience that dating is a skill that you can learn. Yes, some people are better at it because they had better training in their family of origin around social skills, connecting with people. And at times they have better internal ability to connect. But it's my experience that everyone who's interested to learn the skills of connecting with others, most people are able to do that. And it's like any other skill, it requires some practice. Most importantly, it's important for you to be able to manage your emotions. Most of the time I experience people have the skills. They just get anxious and worried and they get hooked on all of these negative stories and thoughts, which gets them in the way of not connecting with people during dates, not not having meaningful conversation because they're just so anxious and they're missing out 
and the opportunity of having the connections that they want. Again, if you haven't downloaded our checklist, make sure you download the checklist. I hope it's it's useful to help you to manage your emotions and anxiety more effectively as you're dating and going on dates. And let me know if you find it useful. As always, I will be super grateful if you write us a review wherever you're listening to this show. Your review really matters because it helps us to reach a broader audience and also it gives me the feedback that you find this content useful. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.